Yeah, so so no cameras this week because we're um, still sorting out the technical details. That's, it's sort we've of been a, trying to do it. We've been trying to live stream it and and like video uh, blog it and stuff. But it's been mixed results so far. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, all right, so everybody, uh, welcome to season six, episode one, and. Uh, yeah, the Art Fight Podcast, and we're excited to have another special artist, uh, Nashville artist, for you guys. And I'm going to let Joe do the introduction here because you're really good at stuff because you're a critic or whatever. I'm a critic or whatever. Yeah, um, you know how to um, put words to things. Hold on, I had to make sure my phone's off first. Hold on a second. Oh, here we go. I know. I'm Your sorry. strong start. I know. We're doing great. Um, but yeah, so. Uh, if you're into okay. the idea of, let's see, I don't want to say retro because I hate that word. If, if you were into, um, video artifacts, mm, that's good, made new, mixed with performance art and sculpture, sculpture, and clearly something. <laughs> uh, causal about it too this is not just uh video masturbation yeah that's a good word you should be a critic too brian you are a critic in your own way <laughs> oh, you just very, don't I'm very much you, a critic <laughs> yeah you, you have a lot of you have a lot of opinions uh, anyway. uh yeah but so this week we're, we're happy to welcome sophia gordon stevens how are you great <laughs> <laughs> so sophia and i i was telling you this story earlier uh we met last year at the defy film festival which is a experimental short film festival that they do every summer in uh in east nashville they're going to be doing that again here coming up in august i think there's going to be uh we're going to have some people from defy come in and talk about that fest here in a few weeks um uh but uh when you walked into there's like a, an event space uh production sort of building that's in the um in uh the inglewood neighborhood and uh when you first walk into it there's sort of like a lobby area and last year um they had uh which had like you had like two or three like installations basically describe a little bit about what you had done yeah um well i had one uh video installation there which was uh night magic mm -hmm. vr and uh then they asked me if i, I had anything else um mm -hmm. Because uh, they had like some more blank space to kind of fill in, so mm. um, I sent them one of my earlier circuit bent videos, and we yeah. projected that on on the back wall in one oh, of their right. little lounge areas. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had a projection as well. Yeah, that was really cool. And those and me and uh, Antonia, my wife, were there at the festival. We we love that festival, and it's really fun. It's right down the road from where we live. Um, uh, but when we saw your stuff, it was really great, and I really love the fact that it was you know your stuff very much read more like what I would call video art, which is sometimes hard to distinguish from experimental <laughs> film and all stuff I mean we can that's a great discussion to have but part of it was the presentation and part of it was just that I'm used to seeing that kind of stuff and it was like I was really I was really happy to see the inclusion of video art and uh, and I was always I was also happy that they had included good video art <laughs> and and actually too I'm, I was recalling to Brian that when I met you there I realized oh my gosh I've seen you a million times already because you used to be an intern with a gallery in Nashville called Seed Space yes yeah, yeah and so I would see you at openings all the time but I didn't even know about the art you were making so it was a wonderful surprise yeah. <laughs> And I thought Brian and I did a pretty good job of describing what it is you do, but why don't you tell oh, yeah. us um, more about what you think your aesthetic is about? Well, um, a big thing for me is uh, really pushing the compatibility of 
new and old technology, really getting analog and digital to work together, um, figuring out how to get this to work with that. Um, and, you know, I a lot of the reason behind that um, is to, I am trying to make video specifically more accessible to people mm-hmm. and also, you know, reusing materials is a big part of that as well. Um, you know, finding a new purpose for mm-hmm. something, um, you know, it's not obsolete if you can still find something useful in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also just love the way that, uh, you know, those old tape formats look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, everything picks up light differently and mm-hmm. colors. Um, I just always love that washed out look. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like that aesthetic, I feel goes really well with uh, a lot of the art that I make, and especially now, um, just finding that the the beauty in um, those artifacts and um, like in those imperfections that you see in analog. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what, like, what, give me some, give me an under, like uh, a specific about what formats you're talking about. You're talking about like VHS and things like that. VHS um, and like high eight. Okay, yeah. Um, VHSC tapes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, mini DV, mini DV, uh-huh. which is probably like what the last yeah. digital tape format. Right. Yeah. It's, it, that's um, one. That's one thing I really love. You see it in music as well. But I love those like in between technologies yes. where it's oh, like, yeah, it's, yeah, a, yeah, it's yeah. a digital technology, but it's still got a fucking tape. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, a magnetic uh, information has always been stored magnetically, mm-hmm. and, and uh, but yeah. It, well, I wanted but to, to ask, store it digitally on tape. That's very weird that we went through that middle ground before. Or we just went straight to hard drives well or we, we still needed media we still you know now we're in a point where we can just it's just uh, solid state yeah. Yeah. electronics <laughs> but uh, there's no moving parts you know right. uh but yeah so um uh oh what, what i wanted to ask you so i guess it was brian eno or somebody that said a long time ago i, I think i know what quote you're gonna say just about the sort of yeah. the the thing <laughs> that uh is the shittiest thing about the i'm gonna do the worst paraphrasing of it but basically saying like the 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 defect of the the technology is essentially what it'll be known or most remembered for yes yeah and and you're kind of bathing and ultimately what that is right all the imperfections yeah absolutely love that quote yeah Yeah. um and uh yeah that that's a a really good way to describe it especially if like an entry to someone that's like why why do you want things to not be as good as they quote unquote good as they can Mm -hmm. be you know Mm -hmm. uh well there's there's so much yeah, the way you're you're talking about how light works differently. Uh, this is the same thing with um, audio and just um, tape saturation. You know, like mm-hmm. you can, you you know you uh, you can play. Uh, like I've I've mixed or, or I've mastered records of mine or that I've made or recordings that I've made to like say a cassette deck, and just by playing with the input levels, you can get this finishing sort of burn. Uh, or sort of uh, organic, it still allows it. It's there's analog is the last of anything with some sort of chemical forgiveness or, or uh, you know sort of uh, tolerance levels that can be um, uh, realized into aesthetic sensibility. If that makes any sense, so it's like it's not perfect. So you can control how uh, how you know you're abusing these things a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I think you know. a a lot of that has to do with like the biggest difference between the two which is just the signal 
um, you know, analog isn't getting convert, you know, isn't traveling as binary code and squares. Right. You know, it's this nice, smooth, continuous mm-hmm. line. I think that we're missing. Like so, uh, another question I had real quick was: Do you feel like because there is sort of a kitsch quality, right? That it, if what you if if the modality that you're operating in is also an Instagram filter and or an app, right? You know what I'm saying? Like like the 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 people coming up today, the younger folks or whatever you want to call them, kids today. <laughs> uh, but they, they they long for that and and they don't really have that so they have these sort of simulations or things that they just think are cool like that's old school it looks like old something like right. they, they don't really understand probably necessarily like um, camcorders or you know like yeah. how, how yeah. the stuff kind of worked or didn't work yeah um, so do you feel like like how do you separate yourself in the sense that uh, I mean, I know you have. I guess I'm just asking, like, it, that is a common, not a common, that's not an uncommon sensibility or, yeah. Yeah, or conflation. So how do, you, how do you feel like it is to separate yourself from that so that it's not... Hmm. So people understand that like you're not Stranger Things, that that's yeah. something else. Like how do you avoid kitsch, but at the same time I know you're playing in that as well. And there's something, you know, I don't know what your age is, but I, I feel like that you have a pretty good understanding of the magic of infomercials on VHS or yeah, you know yeah. the sort of David Hellum sensibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, that too, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, so I, I I guess I just feel like it's a that's a that's a place to walk that you kind of have to go. Okay, I am doing this, but this is not me just being goofy here. Like there's something real. So I guess that maybe I'm trying to set the stage a little bit just for you to speak maybe more to I, I I as I understand you have something more meaningful that you're doing like in terms of how you started to kind of get into that with like data is uh, versus signal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, how do you separate yourself from sort of the, the kitsch aesthetic uh, assumption perhaps that maybe some might have? Well, I, um, I mean, th- there is so much more of the process to it. Um, that's an important part um, because, you know, once, you know, I, I'm transferring stuff to tape um, it is getting circuit bent or manipulated in some way to create all of these video effects as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a huge part of it um, that you know is very different from just using a filter. But I mean, like those, like you know, uh, like After Effects or like Premiere, whatever Final <laughs> Cut, like you know, filters and presets and things, or even the ones on Instagram. Um, I mean, they're so obvious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like you just see the same scan line like over and over again. And not con- configurable to the level that, yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, they're really easy to spot, but. Um, and there's nothing like the real thing. No, I mean, yeah. you know, they're 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 not at all. But um, no, I mean, for me, it, it like going back to the whole compatibility thing um, and just, you know, finding ways um, to reuse this stuff that's just getting tossed out mm. and you know thrown away and discarded um but then realizing like there is potential in that to really empower and encourage other people who wouldn't be doing video to get into it mm-hmm. um and so you know there's a huge creative reuse thing in there um you know there's definitely like you know a call to my childhood in that sense and also just a personal um love for 
like I was saying, the the way in which uh, that format mm-hmm. um, picks up light and color. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, again, like going back to really genuinely loving those imperfections mm-hmm. within it. Um, One thing I was going to say, too, is like not only just the imperfections of these mediums, but your, um, you know, the way that you are so determined to like, you know, uh, create a, uh, you know, a, a space in which anyone might feel that they could participate in some way or create their own work that's like your work. Um, and uh, also like the way that uh, a lot of like the way that you're doing your performances in the videos and or the fact that you like highlight things like um, like public access style meet, you know, like programs and things like that. There's like a real love of like amateur uh, amateurism, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, uh, you know, in, with your performances and with people and wanting people to feel like they can make their, their, they can make the art too. Exactly. And I mean, like, that's a real, that is a huge part of Miller's Grove public access. Mm-hmm. Like, that, uh, you know, creating, you know, this space where, uh, and this environment where, you know, it is about this homemade quality. Um, it uh, is about community. It's mm-hmm. about people um, not really having to worry about necessarily like, oh, these production values, the video quality, all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that can be really daunting and, it, mm-hmm. you know, like trying to figure out what kind of video gear to get. But I really wanted, uh, like once other people were reaching out and like saying, you know, oh, is this something you're going to let other people contribute to? Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I really, you know, wanted to to keep, you know, the homemade thing a part of that community aspect where it um, it encourages people and empowers them to tell us your story, focus on that. Um, and, you know, in this performance art and like video art making process um and you know you're still creating a unique style you know you're still creating you know something that is a part of this highly stylized Mm -hmm. um project Mm -hmm. um tell us tell you know just give the basics on what we're talking about because like our listeners don't under they don't know what this project is oh (laughs) yeah (laughs) um so um miller's grove public access is my latest endeavor um as a video artist uh it started out as just this you know really simple little video exercise that i wanted to do um i'm bipolar one um and uh you said you are i am oh nice and uh (laughs) 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 there's some advantages Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um but uh i just had all this loose manic energy and I was also just really sick and tired of trying to hide um, or, you know, ignore a lot of this Mm -hmm. stuff socially and with other people and just, you know, really, really wanted to be a lot more bold in my art making with it and Mm -hmm. really like explicit and, um, you know, was just sick of stigma and sick of a mm-hmm. lot of this residual self-stigma that I had mm-hmm. um, and uh, and you know kind of just trying to work through a lot of experiences as well like you know growing up with a mental illness and being in you know bad relationships and mm-hmm. friendships with people you know who um, either like encouraged me to go off my medication or mm-hmm. you know 
decided not to be my friend anymore or something mm. like that and um so you're saying you're saying if you, have, if you have a mental illness in any way things might not go smoothly sometimes sometimes, sometimes. you'd be surprised yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah no i think it's I think, not all rainbows and sunshine uh, yeah. it's not all mania it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't, <laughs> you don't just get extraordinary extraordinary um sort of insight from it you also have to deal with mm. the daily things of uh, oh this oh, is a challenge definitely yeah uh, and uh, yeah i wanted to also explore like those yeah the daily challenges of it and you know um just the different aspects of all of those symptoms and you know really just trying to humanize and normalize all of it and you know really create a conversation that's you know this makes you uncomfortable why we need to talk about that Mm -hmm. um and uh so going back to what i was originally talking about uh like the beginning of it uh it started out as just this video art exercise and performance art exercise and um it ended up i was like "Ah, i really like this stuff a lot i want to keep going with this and um then uh david hellums actually asked me um for a piece for crappy magic i believe it was their it was his December show. Uh-huh with the Um, yeah the video art show. And because he was like, oh I really want you know you to do something with like you know just have an item and it's just like it's the vhs tape and the video is on the vhs tape and that's what we sell and i was like well i've got these like public access shows that i came <laughs> up like maybe that'll work and so you know i i had two of those that i um that i did for that show and um people you know were really responsive uh-huh. and you know i did get people asking like oh are you going to let other people contribute to this is this going to be an ongoing thing and then um it's weird when you like have a little project and then all of a sudden it starts to take on a life of its own yeah yeah i'm like the more You're that like, I, yeah I, I could keep doing it exactly <laughs> like the more I, I like thought about it and the more other people talk to me about it you know i that's when i realized like this is something important and this is something that other people are like hey i want to talk to you i've got an idea for a show and there were like people that you know, would just immediately tell me like this thing, like this this whole idea for a show, and uh, in the process of telling you those ideas for their shows, were they also like opening up to you about the fact that yeah, they had experience with exactly. their own mental illness pe- or yeah. other people, like in their family or whatever it mm-hmm. might be? Yeah, and which was it was amazing that it's like oh, we can all open up and be honest, mm-hmm. and um, honestly, like I feel like I've made some really nice friendships like through you know people like talking one-on-one with artists Uh that want to participate and had questions and were sharing stuff with me it Uh was it's really wonderful and um yeah and i just from every you know from you know talking to people kind of early on about it um yeah it was like this definitely is something that is missing in the art community Uh like giving marginalized artists you know who specifically you know they have you know who have mental illness like and have been affected by stigma in some way i mean you know everybody has and it's um you know let's you know band together as artists and 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 educate and uh put the community back in arts community yeah yeah and you know i just it it did seem like a void and there were so many people that were approaching me with like these ideas where it was like oh you've been waiting for a platform for this like you've had this idea and Uh you're just waiting for something to come about where like this would work and um 
that and then that was um you know a, a big thing that really convinced me yeah, of, cool. of the potential of the project and the importance of it mm-hmm. so tell us so what now i one of the reasons why you're on the show is because i follow you on instagram where well we'll talk about that at the end of the show you can tell everybody <laughs> where to find you but um uh but you uh, recently have been posting a call for artists mm-hmm. to to uh, you're, what are you, you're asking them to become a part of this project, and it's uh, what does it what does it require for them to to uh, become a part of it? Um, well, um, the guidelines, um, you know, they're just kind of like in a nutshell. Um, it does have to be a piece of video art um, that is centered around some aspect of your own experiences with your own mental health so it can't be about like your girlfriend's mental she's crazy yeah like it can't be like that like it has to be about like your own um something that you've actually exactly um and in the loose format of a public access show um and you know i'm encouraging people to be as bold as they want to be and you know it's like you can do something really satirical like you or you can do something just really conceptual that it's like how do we even know this is a show other than the title card because i right. mean i've you know seen some wild stuff you know on public access and <laughs> that's like the great thing is it's it's just you know this freedom of like like this healthy expression uh-huh. you know i love the idea and, of just continuing the spirit of public access because so many yeah. legends were born that mm-hmm. way i mean somebody that was a playground or a workshop for like not only just the completely weird and the fetishized and the whatever but also for completely legitimate mm-hmm. people that, yeah. that were cultivated oh, yeah. out of that system so the idea to sort of and i'm sure that there's still public access so we're not saying r.i.p bat poet right yeah <laughs> but, but like well i remember when i lived in seattle in the 90s there public access there was bonkers and it was there were no rules i mean there was essentially porn or what like any number of things go there was no perceivable limit <laughs> of kind. i couldn't believe that it was happening in a in an FCC certified yeah. over the air yeah. sanctioned way to get into this yeah. television with rabbit ears. And I was like, this is nuts. Uh, so I just always appreciate the the spirit of that, you know, mm-hmm. or you think about like, you know, even like people like whatever, Tom Green, you know, or comedians mm-hmm. like that, you know, that came out of public access. So I just, I, I really just have an appreciation for the spirit you, of that. Is there any, yeah. there's not actually any tie in with like Nashville, like uh, um, public, uh, our public uh, station or anything like no, that? There, no, no, yeah. there isn't. Um, so just this is something that people would do in their own style, in their own space, with their own gear, whatever it was. Yeah. And just sort of emulate this, the, the vibe of, uh, of, of a public yeah, the, access show. Of a public show. access show or something that you would see on public yeah. access. And, um, uh, you know, it's there's a time limit of, you know, two and a half to five minutes. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I thought you said and, two and a half to five hours. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> there might be some public access shows that are that long. No, there's, yeah, but like you say, like a segment, you know, yeah, short piece. Yeah, just yeah. kind of like these short little episodes. And right. I am encouraging people like, you know, yeah, you can do something that you might just have like one episode. That's totally fine. But like also maybe like think about it as a series because, you know, not only is it um, going to be a part of an exhibition coming up in the fall, but um I'm going to continue to curate uh, work on a Vimeo channel. Um, right, that's cool. And I'm going to start, like, after the exhibition, I'm going to start, um, you know, just kind of taking submissions on a rolling basis. Um, yeah, that's but cool. But I really encourage people to, like, keep, like, if they, you know, 
get an idea that you know it's something they can keep expanding on mm. and like it can kind of even like fuel more of like this universe of yeah. this public access station like, yeah, especially, especially tying that back into the idea of this being you know you need to be a person that has uh, some sort of a, a, a mental illness of some kind or some actual challenge in that way I would imagine that doing having something that's an outlet and an ongoing sort of um you know, feeling of uh, camaraderie and yeah, it's like yeah. it's an art people. therapy project. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but without feeling like that, right? Like it doesn't have again, like sort of the, maybe that taps into some of sort of the the stigma things that you're trying to. It's not about this. Um, like, I really always appreciated how, uh, uh, like in Native American culture, for instance, like the Lakota suit. If if there's um, if there's somebody that's you know. Um, autistic or has some other however we would clinically describe them in that culture um, they're the people like that are are considered um, special not in the way that we say that in a denigrating way but like it's actually uh, their rationale is essentially that these people are doing this they are these specially appointed kind of conduits mm -hmm. conduits for us they are sort of in between the spirit world and this world yeah and so the You're reason why they have, don't function yeah. necessarily normatively in our sort of everyday goings on is because a part of them is assigned to this connection to the spirit world that is actually something that we envy and, yeah. and that we respect mm -hmm. and whatever We're grateful to have it and they have insights yeah. they're they're going to be able to give us sort of perspectives or insights that we yeah would either have to work a lot harder to get or that we're never going to be able to have and they're part of this whole uh sort of um whatever uh, rainbow of right. uh perception that's kind of going on that we need in our culture so it's right. just a what it's just the inverse of mm. Uh, like in Native American communities, they're not worried about the stigma. Like the, the, just the notion of yeah. a stigma, it doesn't exist. Right. I think there's yeah. lots of like, um, you know, tribal societies where that's, you know, or let's just say healthy societies where yeah. when someone is, when someone is like you say autistic or something like this, the idea is that it's, it's, uh, it's something that's celebrated and accepted in a way instead of something that makes you rejected because you can't form to the to the code. Yeah. And I think it's something that comes from uh, capitalism ultimately, but <laughs> that's another oh, wow. discussion. <laughs> now, what were you going to say? I'm sorry. We keep interrupting. Oh, um, you know, I, I was just going to say, like, um, you know, that is something um, that I also, like, really hope that um, through this project, like, more people will be able to see that, you know, there are these really um, like beautiful aspects in the fact that, you know, people have their, you know, brains are chemically, you know, different or, mm -hmm. you know, you think about things differently. And that's one thing, like I was saying earlier, like, yeah, there are advantages to being bipolar. And um, I mean, I'm not saying like go off of your meds or something. Like mm -hmm. I feel like there's a fine line with saying things mm -hmm. like that sometimes, yeah. but, um, yeah, yeah. but uh, you know, I mean, I wouldn't be making the kind of art that I do. I doubt it'd be circuit bending or working with video art the way that I do. Um, you know, I'm, I see things so much differently. I interpret them differently and, you know, see them, you know, in a different way than others. And it's like, I don't really think in a linear sense. Like, it's mm. like, because I also have ADD. So it's like <laughs> my thought pattern really works more like a spider web or something it's just kind of you know grabbing things from here and there and going from okay. here to there so it's like 
I think it's awesome that my brain works different than <laughs> I think it is, you know, like that's something that, you know, I, um, you know, that I, I think that, you know, there, there should be like a bit of, um, pride in like, you know, to an extent. And I feel, you know, it's like, there's, there's so, you know, I mean, it's like with bipolar, it's like, especially with bipolar one, like it's so heavily stigmatized, um, you know, it's just like, you have to be so hush hush about it. And it's also like negative and Is you're never true? stable and all this stuff. Yeah. Or and, like it breeds a sort know, of an apprehension or a fear. Yeah. And I feel like half the time, I mean, cause like there are a lot of celebrities that have talked about being, you know, bipolar too. Um, Can you tell and, us what the difference is? Cause I don't even know if yeah, I'm clear on that. Well, with bipolar one, um, you do experience psychosis mm. Um, and you can have hallucinations, delusions, okay. um, both visual and auditory. Um, there are some fine lines, like in terms of, uh, how long mania lasts or like how many times you have, like there's kind of stuff like that. Um, you know, that's, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's like almost like splitting hairs. Cause it's like everybody experiences like depression and mania like so differently like mm -hmm. it just like it doesn't really make sense to really like narrow it down to that right. but um but yeah then um you know they say that like really with like bipolar 2 that uh, like it's hypomania is like very distinct to that but it's like i've known plenty like there are plenty of people like you know with bipolar 1 that also have like times when they experience hypomania as well Wait, um, which one is which are you one or two i'm one is can you be like a 1.5 <laughs> i don't know yeah apparently i think really there's, striving for two i think there actually is like up to like bipolar four maybe interesting yeah do you are you like a walking dsm5 kind of like <laughs> have you read all the, like you you sound like you've you've done a lot of knowledge seeking around this your whole life i really have yeah. i mean because i um I mean, I started having symptoms like really early on. Hmm. Like I was probably like six or seven when I started having hallucinations and it was like scary because it's like, I don't know right. what this is, but I had to kind of figure out how to cope with it on my own. Um, and, you know, didn't really get any sort of help until I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of, I mean, I developed like all these coping mechanisms like really early on. Um, so what would one of those be? Just curious. Um, just like a lot of grounding techniques, which I later found out are actually like a thing. Wow. Um, but um, so you had kind of good instincts for how to keep yeah, yourself like together. Yeah, like just really like there's like one technique where um, you like focus on objects in a room, like you name them. Uh -huh. But like I had, like when I was little, I was just like, oh, I can do that, and then it's like, oh, that's actually like a technique that yeah. they like teach so people so in pe therapy. Yeah, because so. people, <laughs> people do that um, to sort of help them. I know I, I've heard, or I know people. I have friends or uh, that <laughs> utilize similar techniques in the um, uh, for avoiding panic attacks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it also like when you feel it coming attacks. on, mm -hmm. and it's one of these things where it's like it's not a hundred percent. It doesn't. It's not foolproof. Like you can't yeah. just like I'm going to start counting. Syllables but, on signs yeah. or whatever it is mm. that just some kind of a try to grab that real fast if you can. <laughs> it's, it's just you know, but but I have uh, seen how just the sheer elation and happiness of someone who has been able to fend off a panic attack successfully, sort of like for the first time, they've been afflicted their whole life by it or whatever, 
and then using these techniques trying 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 and then actually getting to the point where like i did it mm-hmm. yeah you know just like the i've never it was like if i ran a marathon it wasn't it wouldn't be as like it was such a big deal you mm-hmm. know i could never even possibly understand mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it's pretty amazing <laughs> so so granite techniques and you're you're so when it comes to to what unique insights and it's probably not a it's not an objective enough for you right because you're you're in it and you've always been you are who you are mm-hmm. um but i'm sure you have some sensibility about it um what do you feel like what might might be some unique kind of insights or um perspectives that that you get uniquely to you not necessarily just um anyone with you know classified bipolar disorder I'm talking about sort of more like you and your unique experience. What, what do you feel like has, have you tapped into something where you're like, wow, this is something that really I think is a unique insight that I'm able to tap into that is not readily available to most or others? I don't really know, like I don't really know exactly how to like there answer may not it, be anything, you know? I don't, there may not be anything like that. I guess I'm yeah. just curious to feel like, man, I, I mean, cause I don't, I don't have any at least diagnosed, um, <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. issues or whatever but uh, you know I, I feel like everybody's got like some kind of weird thread that they're on or some through line of of their creativity or their output or you know or just being like you know what but this is one thing I'm actually pretty good at and I'm gonna kind of stay in this zone and do this thing mm-hmm. like do you feel like maybe just you coming into video art as a as a concept has sort of done that for you I would say so yeah yeah and just like seeing the potential in so many like you know different things and um and and just, I mean, I, I also think maybe like the the laser focus, I think that comes with my mania, it's uh, like really, you know, working with like, it's such a tedious process of like, find, you know, like linking all these adapters and like converters and things together <laughs> and um, just trying to figure out how to like trick stuff, like, you know, software and machines into like doing yeah. things, you know, <laughs> that they're not really supposed to do and, um, you know, but it, and I honestly, like, I feel like that kind of stuff um, has also really been helpful, um, you know, just with me kind of like working through stuff and finding like these positive aspects to my symptoms and things. It's not like, you know, it's like uh, modifying like a children's toy, like circuit bending it or whatever is way more productive than me taking apart my fan at foreign the morning yeah. you know so it's like i found a way for like yeah this to make the sort best of, of it, curiosity yeah. and like weird laser focus thing that's kind of like yeah. obsessive you know i love that um kind of thing that uh like i've i've kind of found a way through art to make that um you know something a little more um i don't really want to say productive mm-hmm. or you know but uh, a continuum that you're yeah, on, yeah, like just something meaningful to me, and hopefully something yeah. that you know um, other people you know can get some insight. How did you from. get your How did you get your technical chops in terms of electronics and uh, especially you know I, mean, I don't I came up with early technologies, so I mean I I'm like the one old guy that can go and fix an old computer or whatever, but I just didn't know like um, please don't bring me your computer. Um, <laughs> But I guess I'm just curious about like where you got your your sort of that that sort of hands-on technical knowledge. Like, how did that come about, or is it something you just kind of already had and then it kind of applied or expanded, or how did that come about? 
Um, well, I um, originally, like, thought I wanted to be a painter and, like, did painting for a really long time and got bored of that and decided I wanted to go to film school. Mm. Um, so I went to film school and... Where'd you go? I went to uh, SCAD. Oh, great. I know yeah. a lot of people who went to SCAD. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, for those on the West Duncan Coast. McDaniel? Yeah. Hmm? Do you know Duncan McDaniel? That name sounds he's so probably, familiar. He's probably a, was there earlier than you, but I've got a couple of friends, and uh, my friend Todd Green went there as well. Oh. West Coast people, yeah. that's the Savannah College of Art and Design. <laughs> yeah. There used to be a whole uh, Reimer, uh, Reimer Gallery used to have a show from SCAD every year because the uh, the gallery manager was also a SCAD graduate. So we had a big connection to them here in Nashville. So a SCAD you're in good company. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like um, through going to film school, you know, I really got a crash course in a lot of um, technical skills um, that, you know, I really didn't know a whole lot about like I mean I most of what I was doing with video before then was like you know on a used tight camera that you mm. know I got from somebody and um and doing like all in camera like editing and yeah, <laughs> stuff that's cool. like that but um uh but yeah like I I really got like a crash course in uh in all those technical aspects and um but there were a lot of us that were kind of, you know, dissatisfied with um, the department and that it was so just like industry focused and it was really, mm. um, you know, it just, it was so like straightforward, like this is how things have been done and this is how they must always be done. And, mm -hmm. you know, um, so, um, you know, we there were a couple of uh, professors that were that were actually teaching like video art classes, uh -huh. and you could take installation classes and um, and like uh, like a lot of like experimental sound design classes, things like that. Cool. And um, and it was great because the film department and the um, sound design department were like in the same building, and then uh, the fiber arts department was right down the street, and then. Um, the painting department was also like down the street. And so there were like collectively all these people that were kind of getting a little bored with mm -hmm. their major. And so we all kind of like banded together and, uh, and just created this um, like unofficial sort of group of installation performance art and mm -hmm. video art collective. Um, and we'd like put on our own shows and stuff throughout the That's year, right. and um, and that that really Wait, did got you have me a name? It. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, probably for the best. Yeah. But it's always interesting what people name these things. <laughs> um, but you know, through that, like, really, really fell in love with doing performance art um, and and video art, and um, and figuring out how to like incorporate those into installation work as well and, and how all three of those can really blend together. Um, and then after school, um, I did something stupid and I got married like right out of school. Mm. Um, it was like, it was a really, really horrible, abusive relationship. And all right, let's, like, let's yeah. unpack all of that right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, you, I you, didn't you talk about it like it's a cliche. <laughs> No, no. Well, like I did the whole, you know, get into an abusive oh, uh, no, relationship no, no. right out of college. <laughs> no, I didn't mean to like roll my eyes. Like, oh. <laughs> um, no, but I, uh, it really. I don't mean to be light of that. About oh the, no, yeah, no, no, just, no! I yeah, understand yeah. Um, what you meant, but uh, you know, it. I like you know 
was uh, encouraged to, and well, really uh, manipulated into like going off my medication for a really long time. And <laughs> I love conflating um, the word encouraged and manipulated. <laughs> it's like it is a fine line, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, I I just I wasn't making art like for probably about two two and a half years, uh-huh. like at all. And um, so I finally got out of that relationship, and uh, now I'm in a really wonderful, supportive, and productive relationship. <laughs> um, and uh, and like we, you know, try to collaborate together as much as we can, and it's great because he's all the audio stuff, and I do all the visual oh, stuff, great. and we can really come together with with that kind of thing. And um, so you know, it it was hard kind of getting back into everything after like that long stretch of time. And, um, you know, I, I tried to get back into painting to see if that would help and then just kind of immediately got bored of that and um, started doing video again. Um, and then we moved to Nashville. This was like mm-hmm. four years ago, I think. And right before we moved, I got mm-hmm. on medication that has made me the most stable I've ever been. Oh, wow. And it just like kind of all worked out. It was like right before we moved here that happened. What year did y'all move here? I think it was 2015. Okay, great. Yeah. And so what what is your collaborator's name? Uh Teddy Gordon Stevens. All right, shout out Teddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but um yeah, I I just really felt the urge to um and I, and I think it was just because I was on the right medication and my head was in the right space. I felt like I was myself again mm-hmm. and just really working through becoming myself again after being in a relationship like that and you know, not having medication for so mm. long. And um, and uh, I, you know, just really had the urge to um, experiment as much as I could and uh, just r- really ended up, a lot of it was just kind of like, well, let's see what this does and, um, and just kind of working through all that kind of stuff and then just learning as I went. Um, Following the muse and just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and um, like, you know, I was just like, oh, well, I really want to get into, you know, maybe building my own stuff or modifying my own stuff and just like taught myself how to solder and learned, you know, mm-hmm. about electronic components and, and all that. And um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was a lot of just honestly, like having a newfound patience, I think, <laughs> too, um, and just like level headedness. And I was, you know, able to really focus in on stuff. Um, what I think is interesting, too, is myself. that, yeah, like the so the. The challenge we talked about this a lot with David too um, about uh, David Holmes was on the show before the the challenge <laughs> of video art as a sort of for lack of a better term commodity or you know how do you make it an object or how do you um, sell work how do you uh, you know like it just because it's it's sort of this ephemeral medium in this in its own little way and so to go from something where you're painting. And you're, but you're dissatisfied with that, and it's obviously, you know, still a, it's a two D situation, but it's it's at least an object to then kind of go further into sort of the the ether with with video. But at the same time, it seems like in practice, it's much more rewarding for you because the instruments are not just and the implements are not just a paintbrush and canvas or whatever. You have to use a lot of different tools, a lot of different knowledge, and have your hands on a lot of different things. And there's so much more of a breadth of. It seems like it's much more of a an experiential playground. 
to be in uh, to create that kind of work as a, I'm not saying like being a painter must suck you know it sounds really boring uh, <laughs> you just stand there paint stuff no but um smoking yeah you should definitely do that <laughs> but but I don't know so I, I, I just think it's very interesting the the challenge of uh, going from you know uh, something more identifiable and in a vocabulary that people kind of understand with these objects that you create and then you hang it and you go do you like that well then you can buy it if you want mm-hmm. thank you very much or you do you would not like it okay right. fine everybody like the accessible idea of collecting art yeah 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 so how have you have you have you tried to uh, or been faced with sort of addressing that in terms of how to and it sounds like in your your work with david who's kind of got that on lock he's figured out mm-hmm. how to sort of associate objects to video in a very unique way but um is that something that's on your mind a lot like sort of that oh, challenge most definitely yeah. <laughs> um and uh actually um the last two crappy magic shows that i was a part of um you know i put the video on a vhs tape and that's how we kind of solved that problem of like well it's the video but it's not really attached to like an object um but yeah then i was like put the video on the VHS tape and then that's what you know is for sale mm-hmm. um, and I thought that was a really wonderful solution that David had mm-hmm. um, and there are a lot of people who still have their VHS machines and who still oh, have their yeah. VHS tapes and yeah. there's plenty of movies that came out on VHS but they've never been released on yeah. disc yeah. Like so people who are really into film a lot of those people are, are very right. much into VHS still yeah definitely and I'm sure it's made some sort of a comeback in some weird way that I haven't been aware of but I'm sure there's new subcultures that are being born around VHS there there are there's actually there's uh, some uh, I I, for people who don't know that I write a lot of film criticism I get a lot of uh, press releases you know from various distributors and all this stuff about stuff that's coming out and there's uh, one that recently did like uh, they do a lot of like B horror movie kind of stuff and things like that and they recently did like a whole series where they released uh, stuff on VHS tape like brand new you know uh, transfer on a VHS Great. tape That's with, awesome. with new art on the box and all that kind of stuff it's the same satisfaction satisfaction you get out of, uh, like you know I've uh, I remember I put out a record on vinyl in 2004 uh-huh. no I'm sorry 2001 uh-huh. I put out a record on vinyl and people were like why did you do that <laughs> This is before people were buying it again, right? <laughs> I, like, that was back when you could get a record made at United and yeah. get, they could turn it around in like a like week, two weeks. You know, <laughs> yeah. you could get a record done so fast. Now yeah. it's like six months. Yeah, you know, but uh, but I, I mean, maybe even more. Yeah. So I just I uh, I've always appreciated uh, not for the sake of kitschiness, but just for the like this is the medium through which I design this that I feel like it's the most activated or the most enhanced or the most receptive to what I'm creating and I'm not trying to dazzle you with weird old school shit or whatever and trying to be cool this is you know uh, it's just it's just the best thing to use mm-hmm. I completely agree with that and I think yeah. that's something like a lot of artists need to keep in mind is you know the format in which you put it in like even just if you're you know choosing like oh should i shoot this on you know 16 millimeter film or like you know on my phone or whatever and it's like you really do have to think about you know what format works best for the story you're trying to tell or the art that you're trying to make like what gets the point across Uh that's another that's like another level down from a problem i see all the time in art where it's like you'll see somebody who's obviously a thoughtful artist they got a lot of talent at whatever it is they're doing they've got a cool idea 
But the problem is that's not a good idea for a painting. That's mm-hmm. a good idea exactly. for a short movie. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so it's like you got to pick that medium, but then you got to pick okay, but what's the format of that medium? Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, some stories just you know, or, or, or ideas or concepts, like they're just not going to work in every medium, and especially yeah. the way that you want to tell it or yeah. the way you want to depict it. Like, yeah. that's such an important thing to consider. Uh-huh. And I think, I mean, you're somebody who's got enough range and stuff that I could see you bouncing into something that was even more just straight sculpture, frankly. You know what I mean? And I feel like you've got a certain freedom in terms of mediums that you're, or media, whatever, that you're comfortable with and willing to use. And I, I always find that more interesting than people who are, you know, who are, you know, sort of just like, I just pretty much am a painter. I mean, that's mm-hmm. cool. And I know a lot of oh, people yeah, like that. No, and I love totally their work. Respect it. Yeah. But I don't, but at the same time, it's like, to me, as somebody who's more like all over the place, I appreciate people who are yeah. like that too with their creativity. Oh, yeah. Totally. More of a general creative person than a, than a specialist. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Um, but those specialists will make that mistake where it's like, that's a great idea for our art project, mm-hmm. but not for a painting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, totally. I have a weird theory about uh, sort of analog, uh, the any analog media. I have this weird theory about it where I, I feel like that, um, I feel like it, uh, sort of like an evolutionary based sort of theory where I, I feel like that the technology is really in, this, in the, the terms of technology and development. This is all still very recent, right? Wax cylinders to where we are now, or, you know, you, you see my Victrola over there. Um, you know, like, and that that thing's that's a boombox, Brian. That, oh no, that, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, that that thing's 1912, and uh, that was still when they were making records on shellac, uh, and they, you know, it's obviously really brittle. So, and they wanted to make more of them and have them not be it's so like fragile. That early film stock that explodes, right? Right. Yeah. So, so I guess, um, but my my theory is that even though this has all happened in the relatively recent past, I feel like that there's something about the way that uh, either visuals or sound emanate through analog media. Whoever's cultivated this technology and there's different parties involved and different companies involved over time. But I feel like through the testing process and through, because if you think like if you, I'm, I'm arriving at something, I swear to God. So, so like with analog cassette tapes, for instance, right, they all have like a native bias curve to them. VHS tapes have a native sort of color bias curve to them. And so what that means, I guess in English is sort of like, it's kind of got an EQ sort of baseline kind of set onto yeah. it. And you can exceed or fall under those sort of, thresholds but essentially it's designed to contain a certain amount of whatever the the -hmm. impulses are and i feel like that through the testing and the development of all that if you think about how many brains and perceptions that that all had to go through to get that technology to market um i feel like that there naturally ended up being this kind of way of aligning the the impulses of sound or visuals there's just some way that it all started to align to more natively our brains Mm -hmm. and so like if you look at film being 24 frames a second that's for a reason Mm -hmm. right they care they figured out like what yeah you know because like if right now if you look at video that's made at 60 frames a second you'd think well that would be better and our brains hate it (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. you can just tell right away but so that and that's actually kind of an example to sort of get me to what my point is is like So I feel like these things are natively married to our, the mechanics of how our brains and perception work really well. Now that we're into sort of the full digital realm, 
where things are say mostly 30 frames a second or beyond or or whatever um we're sort of now in a place where those uh and kind of back to the beginning of the conversation like the the artifacts like the 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 negative artifacts of the technology now like have we even found those tolerances anymore like where is the bias curve of what's happening now and how is that being exploited or used in a creative way and have we perhaps now been the first time where technology is actually so far ahead of our actual brain makeup and and the stuff of our perception yeah. and the f- with rhythms and frameworks and frequencies that we like things to be that just feel right like i i feel like I, my brain was cultivated to this i grew up listening to tapes and records and so mm-hmm. that's the stuff that just feels and sits right and then digital stuff i, I still love it because i can hear it and that's great but like the mm-hmm. it's it, the breadth of it is too wide and and if i really think about it and i don't like it as much mm-hmm. and i'm not being some weird snob i just feel like the like and i'm not being a fetishist i feel like it's just this is what my brain was cultivated to to sort of perceive and i don't know if it's better but it's aligned but it's more naturally like. <laughs> to like what sits just sit i get less anxiety or whatever it is mm-hmm. about like i'm not being hit with a lot of frequencies that i can't hear but my body is perceiving like <laughs> super, yeah. super low end like <laughs> 10 hertz frequencies uh-huh. and then way high like you know 22 kilohertz or what you know that stuff is affecting you even mm. if you can't feel it oh, or perceive totally. it so i guess um uh I, I just wonder what your thoughts are on sort of how we get to this point where do you do you think that the, the media and the technology has not it's kind of leapfrogged ahead of us perhaps in a way of our cognitive or brain waves and and how do we account for that or is this sort of a response to that or just what are your thoughts on all this shit that i just said for two minutes (laughs) well i mean i remember when 4k came out and um like none of the editing software could really handle it yeah it just you know some of the technology was actually like leapfrogging ahead of other technology Mm -hmm. that you know it had to rely on um and you know there, I remember there were people that, you know, really had some trouble even finding, like, how do, like, this gi- these giant video files, like, mm-hmm. how am I supposed to store them, and how do I get it to work with this technology? And so many people, like, I knew people that would just convert it to tape, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like, convert it to, like, a DVC Pro Tape or something, mm-hmm. and, like, you know, they were downgrading it, so it was, like, what's the point in shooting it in 4k and um but yeah like it i felt like it was forever before there was really any software or, or hardware or, that could handle or people something that, like that yeah, was even watching it in 4k exactly yeah. yeah exactly and also how many pores do you need to be able to count on somebody's face yeah exactly yeah yeah um yeah it, it it is getting to a point where when is that it gonna really be enough and like yeah. how far are we gonna go and like yeah. are we eventually just gonna have to like modify our eyes and brains to like yeah. be able to see this and hear this stuff like yeah no it's you know, interesting like, yeah yeah, what are we going to do? Like, have, we've so far exceeded the, we've been in this quality race mm-hmm. mindset for so yeah. long for, yeah. for some sort of perfection seeking. Mm-hmm. But now people are like, I don't, this is alienatingly good. Mm. Yeah. And so I want something that's more natural to how I see the world, naturally to my eyes, same with aspect ratios, mm-hmm. all yeah. of that. Like, so, so do you feel like that we've reached some impasse or that we have, have, have we gone too far? <laughs> 
I mean, it's hard to say right now just because we're in it. Um, but I definitely feel that a lot of you know these the snobbery and advancement, especially with video, um, is part of the problem that is alienating other people from like another artist from getting into it. Um, and I think oh, this obsession yeah. with gear and this obsession with video quality and being like whatever yes. like twenty k or whatever we're up to now. Yeah. Um, that you know, it it really it, it's daunting and it really really keeps people from trying new shit. And right. it's like, like, don't you realize your phone, <laughs> your phone, anybody is the shittiest phone in the world right now that is being uh, sold. Yeah. HD. Yes. Yeah. The worst phone ever is a million times better quality than anything that we had growing up right. at all. Mm -hmm. I know. Like There's, Martin Scorsese would have killed somebody to shoot <laughs> fucking <laughs> taxi driver out of my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Right. So let, me, let me borrow your phone real quick. It's just going to take a second. Right. <laughs> yeah. like, you know, but we made good money on the first one. We're going to do the second one in Panavision. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's 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 insane. Like the tools that that everybody just has available. But you're right. Like you when you, especially like I think in like the filmmaking world, you know, it's like as soon as you start having any kind of serious discussion about making a movie you quickly line up against the discussion of the camera that you've got to get. Oh yeah. And that's going to be thousands and thousands of dollars that mm -hmm. you don't yeah, have. Yeah, just to rent and yeah. then like all the prime <laughs> lenses and yeah, yeah like you know all what that I mean? stuff. And it's like, but if you don't do that, it's not like legitimate or something, mm -hmm. you know? Or That's people, the other thing. People yeah. don't realize it's all about optics. Yeah. The shittiest camera, fine. Just have good optics and yeah. you can get really good optics. Uh -huh. They're old that are magnificent. Yeah, lenses, yeah, man. What do you mean? Lenses that you can use with a phone? Is that what you're talking about? Or just, or just in general? Whatever. Yeah, just, anything. Yeah. yeah, just be yeah, thinking. Great lenses on, on, a, on a mediocre camera is, is what you need. Get, get the shittiest camera you can find and put a really good lens on it that's old that nobody wants anymore and use some weird adapter to get it to work or whatever. Uh -huh. Yeah. Call Sophia. She can fit it on the feet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I've, I've actually... Uh, so, you know, I've, I fly uh, drones and do cinematic work with drones and obviously I shoot... I mean, my drone will shoot 5.2K, wow. which I've never done because why? Um, but 4K, I shoot a lot um, because you just kind of have to or whatever. But... Yeah. Um, but... I, one of the coolest things I ever saw though was it's really just about being able to put a camera wherever in space that I'm attracted to. It's not about like how high, I mean, I, I do like the high quality, but I guess what I'm saying is like, uh, like one of the coolest things I ever saw was somebody that put a, a 16 millimeter film camera on a drone and they fashioned, they built a servo that could control the, oh, cool. uh, the trigger, mm -hmm. the film release or whatever you call it. And, uh, and then we're just filming it like out in the salt flats or some weird place in Utah and I was like, that is the best of all mm. the world. Like a satellite stabilized, gimbalized, mm. a perfect flying machine, mm. but with 16 millimeter film, it was magic. Oh, it, mm. that's, that would be the, the dream for me. But, uh, <laughs> but, but like, how did you deal with like uh, film at all in terms of getting film processed or any of that? You kind of, yeah. yeah. Um, Where do you do I, that now? Um, there, um, there was like a, a processing house in like New York yes. that I that I sent stuff to. I think that's like the only one, right? Maybe like I don't for know. Eight millimeter it was the or only 16? one I knew of. Mm -hmm. This um, and it was was like eight millimeter or sixteen. That uh, we were doing? Mainly sixteen, um, and like maybe one or two things with thirty-two. Oh, wow. I didn't even. 
Is there a 32 millimeter? I'm sorry, I didn't 36 even know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, didn't, I don't know anything above the 16. That's how much I know about film. But that's that's badass. Yeah, it's something about too just the decision making of being in a when you're building the stuff, you're circuit bending the stuff. When you, you're forced to be a lot more deliberate about the the artistic choices that you're making, whereas the pendulum is swung now to uh, this kind of like in the in the old days of making records, we always called it like the the fix it in the mix mentality that yeah. came about with digital audio when that came mm. came to be, mm-hmm. where like all of a sudden the the premium of getting it right on the mm. front end yeah. and capturing what you need and getting a performance and getting something to like a moment to happen. Now it's this uh, reliance, kind of this lazy reliance on the yeah. technology to be like, mm-hmm. well, we'll, we'll, I'll cobble that together later or, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And I, I don't mean, see, I don't, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Go <laughs> I was ahead. gonna say, I'm definitely guilty of that. Like, cause I, I love editing. Um, and but I, I'm definitely guilty of being like oh, I'll just fix it in post mm. or I'll just I'll figure it out. Well, I think there's something but, fair to say like yeah. you use it for what it's worth. I mean, in fact, I think it can be employed as a, a tenant mm-hmm. for a for a particular project or whatever. Where it's I don't know a bad example that I'm just thinking of is like what if you just wanted to like swing a camera around your head or something or I don't know do something where I can't use the viewfinder, I can't do anything, but uh, I'm gonna see what I get and then put it. And then I kind of know how I want to put it together later. You know, you can employ that in your process. I'm not mm-hmm. saying, I'm not doing all this sort of a complete indictment of that necessarily. Mm-hmm. To but me, I, but thing, I do think it's a thing. The thing I think is interesting about that is the way that digital editing of, you know, multi-track recording digital and and the, the freedom that you have with the editing. To me, I think you're right that there is the danger of you're not getting what you need. Like, like you're you you got to get you got to get the thing you got to get the magic in the performance you got to get it you got to capture it and then it's fucking wonderful to think about the way that your record now becomes more like a movie where it's really it really is the mix that's the most important part and it really is where you're going to build the record because that's how it works once you're over the line into the digital world because it becomes about post-production it just Mm -hmm. is you know what i mean Uh, now that said i do think you know you can't you 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 can only polish the turd so much so you got to get something real to first to start with Mm. but it really did change it like dramatically and like it used to be more about capturing something and then you couldn't there was only so much you could do really Mm -hmm. and now it's like it's a little bit of still capturing something, but then there's a million fucking things you can do now at the, at the second part, and it's like that's when you got to figure out what the fucking record is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, like this Victrola that I was talking about, like when they when they yeah. made wax cylinder recordings back then, right? You know, like the way they would mix a record is like hey clarinet guy take two steps back right so you're a little bit quieter than the singer (laughs) but that's it's interesting because i think i think it's like clarinet guy like (laughs) like that like like literally in the moment we're gonna tell you to step back from the mic just a little bit so you're a little bit quieter than him but a little bit louder than him and da 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 and then we get what we get where when you're making a movie it's like okay boom you do the take and it's a funny take and then it's like okay well let's do another take and it's like that can be a scary take that can be whatever you can change it up and do a number of things and and with, in music I mean that's incredibly important because all of a sudden it's like takes I've got three choose. ideas yeah, yeah. and I'm just going to th- give you all three of my ideas for how this solo could work yeah. and then you'll figure it out later <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, choosing choosing which path you you don't really know until you have the the broader context of what you're putting together to be like, oh, okay, that's the take yeah. or that's the and one. And it is fun yeah. that you can sort of document all the ideas as long as you're as long as somebody's in charge and they know 
like Some what they're ultimately producers. trying to do. Yeah. yeah you got to have that. That to me is like one of the most, the producer, the two most important things is who do you put in the room and do you know what the fuck you're trying to do? <laughs> and everybody, nobody else needs to know anything, but if you got to know those things, because <laughs> if you're not sure what it is, it's like, it's going to be a long fucking project. This is, this, is, this is free advice coming from Joe Nolan right now. Like, nobody's even paying for this. This is the value that we, that we provide. Those are the two things. Those are the, and I think to me in, in a production capacity, those are the, t- I think I want to emphasize those. Cause I think ultimately those are the things that I find the most fun you know what I mean like the actual collaborating with the musician and Mm -hmm. trying to get them to do their unique thing but like hit the target right over there you know what I mean hey do you have have any ideas of uh, (laughs) sorry I just I just want to ask you this before because I know we got to wrap it up pretty soon not immediately but um, I wanted to ask you are there any concepts or projects or ideas that you have in your mind that you're like man I really want to do that but you don't either have the the means or the technology or the the way to to get there yet. Um, I would definitely say you know I I want to get more into achieving different types of video effects and and things through like more analog means. Um, and you know, I mean, there's like a lot of like bigger ideas and thoughts in terms of like getting stuff to be a little like my workflow to be a little more efficient as well um but uh you know it's a lot of that older stuff is hard to come by and then it's also um can be really expensive um but and and a lot of it is like i also want to try to make some of that stuff myself like build it or at least like modify stuff or you know fix up stuff that's broken or people are selling for parts or whatever yeah um but again like that's a lot of time and like right now i just don't really have it so it's kind of like a time money (laughs) issue and like availability type thing but Uh um yeah i just i i want to continue to push that compatibility thing but you know i i do want to um you know, just experiment with more gear and mm. and have kind of more at my disposal. So yeah, it it's like kind fun. of like anything and everything that could mm. possibly, you know, do something cool and was worth experimenting with. Basically, do you deal in a lot of uh, projection at all? Um, that's another thing I really want to get more into as well. Um, uh, like I I do want to try to learn like some projection mapping techniques. That's cool. Um, that stuff is so prohibitively expensive. Yeah, it really is. And so I guess I'm just curious. Like I, I'm waiting to meet somebody. I, I have an ulterior motive here. I have a project where I need some pretty intense projection, but I'm Doesn't not. Doesn't Kluge do that kind of stuff? He does, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. like you have to have the gear. Like yeah, the, the, you do. You oh, okay, have, yeah. And the stuff that I'm talking about is like the stuff that sit, like when they're doing the Olympics and they're going to project like something onto a skyscraper you know <laughs> downtown or whatever uh-huh. like that's the kind of shit that i i need mm-hmm. uh or at least some microcosm yeah. of that uh, or a facsimile industrial of that. strength i need some <laughs> and here's the thing is i'm 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 fully okay with it not being like it's, the mapping stuff is really precise and the technology is really cool and all that yeah. stuff um but i'm not i don't really need it to be perfect i'm i'm waiting to find somebody like you or it's just like a a a mad woman right that's like in a lab somewhere that's like holy shit i can build 
like all I need is this industrial lamp and then I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. use these weird mirrors and I'm gonna make this thing that it's kind of fucked up but it's really <laughs> cool you know yeah. like I'm just waiting for, for something like, like throw that like a giant image on a wall <laughs> yeah like just you know light projected light uh, with anything you want to run through it I mean I don't know yeah oh and that makes me think of like another thing that um, well it's I, it's not like a real hologram, but it was um, at least like the illusion of one. I did like a, a small scale one, but um, I really want to get like more into that too, making like a larger scale, um, you know, more realistic type. What do you think of like augmented reality? Um, I mean, I've explored it like a little bit um, with my work, um, but I do really like, but more like the concepts of it, not mm. necessarily like an actual practical application of it. Uh -huh. um, but that's another thing too. Like there's so much out there and like so much potential, but uh -huh. it's like a lot of that stuff isn't nearly as accessible as like, yeah. you know what I'm really working with now. But I hope that eventually like as, you know, time goes on, you know, that stuff's gonna be more like consumer grade type stuff. Yeah. And something you can kind of get your hands on more readily available. Um, and again, you know, it's it'll be, it would be so much fun to incorporate that kind of stuff with the older technology that I'm working with. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah. I know that we're in the infancy of all that, but I feel like a dick a lot of times because people show me stuff and I'm just like, okay, so I have to walk around with my phone <laughs> and look at things that are imposed over reality through a thing that I can kind of see in front of me, but yeah. now I have to look at this, <laughs> or I have to put some thing on my, like, I feel like we're in such the early days of it, yeah, that I, yeah, I'm yeah. just like, okay, I fully agree that there's some insane, clearly there's some insane potential for alternate existences already. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, you know, so there's that, but I, I just feel like I'm not, I, I feel like a like a really bad person, because I, I see all these amazing things it took all this ingenuity and all this and i'm just like i, I don't know how, i don't know how to experience it i don't know it doesn't do anything yeah. for me so it's sort of like seeing a demo of yeah. something that you know maybe like uh you know back in the day somebody's like look it's moving pictures and people are like why do pictures need to move <laughs> yeah I'm like i see that every day get to work yeah my life is just <laughs> one big moving picture yeah get back in the factory <laughs> eat some dust um, if uh, if there's a budding young video artist or an emerging great video artist or a, an old mean video artist out there who wants to talk about their experiences with mental illness through a video art project, how do they get in touch with you regarding your call for art? Well, your um, ongoing call for yeah. artists. So, um, well, the um, the exhibition um, that's happening in the fall oh, right. um, is that going to be at Turnip Green? Yes, is that it's right? going to okay. be um, in, in the Wedgwood Green Houston. Gallery at Turnip Green Creative Reuse. Um, it is running from September um, and October. Uh, we're gonna have two separate lineups. Um, and so, you know, we'll have our first one in September and then we'll switch it up in October with new artists and new oh, shows. Oh, that's rad. And, um, and so our, our deadline for that exhibition um, is actually August 1st. Okay. Um, we, I recently extended it. Um, that's and why we're having you on because I saw that and I was like, she needs a <laughs> megaphone to make oh, sure people to make sure people get to this art exhibit. <laughs> it is much appreciated. <laughs> um, but we uh, all of the information for the project um, is on the Facebook page. Um, it's facebook.com slash Miller's Grove Public Access. Mm -hmm. um, there is also an Instagram that is Miller's Grove PA. 
Um, and then our the Vimeo channel where you can see all of the current programming that's yeah. been created. Um, that's uh, Vimeo.com slash MGPA. And then if you have any questions at all, concerns, you know, whatever, just want to talk about video art, <laughs> even... Um, you can email me at millersgrovepa at gmail.com. Great. Awesome. And we'll put all the links in the show notes as well. Mm -hmm. um, so there'll be some clickable things. Um, so, all right. So I guess we'll just wrap it up. Joe, do you have any uh, things you want to promo, talk about, share? I don't think so. I've got, um, I was telling you earlier that my, uh, my I've, I've made a new postcard set uh, for my Pikes project. And uh, we're going to be uh, having some events coming up, I think probably at Red Arrow. Maybe something coming up at Crappy Magic. They're also going to be available at, uh, at OM, uh, OMG, Old Made Good, in, in uh, East Nashville. Um, but I'll, I'll talk more about that and when they're, people not when in they're Nashville, actually how do available. They, how do they get to these cards when they happen? Um, just Maybe just uh, DM me on Instagram, and I'll find a way to do it. So I'm uh, at Mighty Joe Nolan on Instagram. You'll find a link in my bio there to become part of my... Uh, part of my uh, Patreon uh, inner circle. And if you join there, uh, I'm going to get the cards by the end of this month and, and you could be eligible, eligible to get a card or a whole pack of the cards, 10 different cards, um, depending on what tier you sign up for. But those will be going out pretty much immediately as soon as I get them. Uh, and, uh, and then everybody else has to wait till about September. Awesome. <laughs> All right. And then uh, I'll give a shameless plug for myself real quick, uh, if you guys don't mind. Uh, Saturday, August 3rd, I have a video art piece that is, and sound art piece that is opening at the Fort Negley Gallery here in Nashville to be part of the Wedgwood Houston Art Crawl. Um, it is, uh, uh, I'm the 2019 artist in residence for the Metro Archives, and so I worked with them, got some archival film footage, together with a bunch of other things and made something that I'm, I'm pretty proud of and, and happy to share with everybody and it'll be at Fort Negley for a month and then it'll come back in October for October but um, but August 3rd so you can check out all the and people should go people should go to the opening on August 3rd because Brian's going to be there playing the ambient score that he composed no, live actually I decided against that are you sure yeah so thanks for oh, just really? fucking all that well that's all, well it's in the fucking paper now motherfucker yeah well you know <laughs> yeah. what why did you decide against that I thought that was a great idea I just decided not to do it okay because it's three hours you could just do it once it's three hours and the piece is 10 minutes like what am i gonna do <laughs> well i mean improvise just do it what improvise. am i like a monkey in a cage here <laughs> like what is going on no but uh but it's a cool piece and it has to you know if you're a person that has any thoughts or feelings or impressions or experiences with the rapid change in nashville then i think that you will find it uh, pleasantly nostalgic yet cathartic yet confusing so uh so you should come out for that and just uh and i think that you can be uh challenged with some media that's kind of weird and then have some light snacks so yeah. uh right box the wine box wine uh but anyway so yeah fort negley august 3rd and uh just go to my instagram and check all the things or whatever uh all right hey wow thank you so much it's been a real pleasure to, to have you um and i can't wait to see your 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 all the submissions and all the things that you finally get from uh you know clearly this is going to create like a, a massive bump for your whole your whole channel your life's going to change so um <laughs> no but uh but really appreciate it joe thank you Cheers. as always and uh thank you to everyone listening uh later
Okay guys, I love the Art Fight podcast, and I listen to every episode even though I am a robot trying to sound like an actual person. I know it takes a lot to keep the podcast going. How can I help? Go to anchor.fm forward slash Art Fight Podcast. Click on the button, the big old button that says support this podcast. And once you get there, you'll have three options. You can just choose the lowest level. You're going to pledge 99 cents a month to, to our production and, and help us out. Again, anchor.fm forward slash Art Fight Podcast. Click on support this podcast. All right. Thanks, everyone.